Thank you. Thanks for coming. And my motivation for picking this topic was actually I started learning how to snowboard this winter. And for any of you who have gone through that process, you know you spend a lot of time on the ground to start with. And as I was picking myself up, I started thinking about, you know, running through that mental checklist of things to make sure it was okay for me to stand up. And so that's kind of how I started thinking about uh, a talk that might be interesting to some folks who might have also injured themselves in a similar fashion as I have. So my talk is going to go over these subjects. We're going to talk briefly on knee anatomy so you can get an idea what's under your skin. I've got a brief video showing a three-dimensional uh, model of a knee. Then we're going to go over a few algorithms, one for if you injure your knee and one if you don't. And then talk about uh, some common sense approaches to the knee. And then at the end, there'll be some time for some volunteers. If you wish to share your knee problem with the group, then we'll have a little opportunity to hopefully uh, give you some insight into your problem. So the first start with the anatomy, we're going to talk about these subjects, the bones, the gliding surface cartilage, the meniscus, the ligaments, the muscles and tendons, and then the bursa of the knee. There's just one thing that we need to talk about definition-wise so we can be on the same page when we talk about the knee structures. It's medial and lateral. So they're descriptor words telling you where something's located. And the medial side is the side closer to the other knee. The lateral side is the side further away from the other knee. The bones of the knee are the thigh bone or the femur. You can see that on the x-ray. That's the bones above. It's the large single bone. And then the large shin bone is the tibia. And the small bone of the leg is the fibula. And the common problems with bones are fractures. The gliding surface cartilage is the white, smooth surface on the ends of the bones. And if you've ever seen a, a chicken bone and looked at the end, it's that glistening white, smooth surface that provides a very low friction articulation between the bones. And the common problems with the gliding surface cartilage are you can get cartilage tears from trauma and also diseased cartilage such as arthritis. The meniscus is the cushion cartilage in between the bones. And I'm showing you with my pointer the meniscus in an arthroscopic picture. It's C-shaped and provides some cushioning. And it makes a really tight, snug fit between the two bones, functions as a gasket. 
And common problem with the meniscus is that it can be torn. There's several main ligaments of the knee, and those are strong cord-like structures that hold the bones together. This picture that you're looking at is an arthroscopic picture of an anterior cruciate ligament. That's this structure right here, and that's one of the big ligaments in the middle of the knee. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. The common problems with ligaments are that they can be torn uh, due to injury. Muscles and tendons are the connection that provides the force for activity. It's the muscles that actually provide the force and the, tenen the tendons that connect the muscles to the bone. Common troubles with the muscles are a pulled muscle, which is a muscle strain or a partial tear of a muscle, or a tendon injury such as a, a tendon tear. On my diagram here, a, a good example of the muscles and tendons, the, the big thigh muscles, the four muscles of the quadricep attached to the quadriceps tendon, which is attached to the patellar, the patella or the kneecap. Now, a bursa might be something that's a little less familiar to you. A bursa is a balloon-like structure that normally contains just a drop or two of fluid. Help structures move by each other with less friction. You can see on the upper left picture that in the ordinary circumstance, just a drop or two of fluid, the bursa is actually quite small. It's a potential space. But if it fills up with fluid, gets inflamed, then it gets quite large and can be quite, uh, take up quite a lot of space. To the right is a picture of the knee with some of the bursas drawn in, some of the more common areas where we see bursal problems. This is the medial side or the inside of the knee, and there's some hamstring tendons that have a big bursa around them that can be irritated and inflamed. There's a bursa right over the kneecap, and then out on the outer side, there's two main bursas there that can also be irritated by overuse mainly. Uh, this is the um, video portion, and this is the model of the knee, and so we're looking from the front. The, the right side of your picture is the medial side, or the side closest to the other knee. What you notice is that the bones are connected on both sides by strong ligaments, both on the inner side, which we're seeing better now, that connects the two bones together. And then you can see how tight a fit that meniscus, or the, the uh, cushion cartilage of the knee, makes that a really snug fitting surface there. And as we turn around to the back, you can see one of the big ligaments in the back of the knee, or the posterior cruciate ligament, that's one of the big ligaments in the middle. There's one in the front and one in the back. Around the outside, you can see that small bone, the fibula, connected to the thigh bone with a lateral collateral ligament, or that collateral ligament on the outside.
Now back in the front, what we're going to do is we're going to move the kneecap out of the way and going to bend the knee down and you're going to have a picture of the knee. First, we're going to look at see how the, the collateral ligaments move. These collateral ligaments are preventing the bones from separating. So those are the kind of forces that you get on the knees that actually injure the collateral ligaments. We're looking right in on the gliding surface. So that's the smooth white surface that you see on the femur bone straight ahead. And as you look into the center of the knee, you see the anterior cruciate ligament. Remember that picture of the ACL I showed you arthroscopically? That would be the uh, ligament right in the center of the picture. When you look down on those, on those menisci, you can see that they're C-shaped, and then underneath them, you can see the gliding surface cartilage of the shin bone. This is the motion, a rotatory motion, that's associated with ACL tear. You can see how the femur moves forward or the shin bone moves backwards. That is the motion that's restricted by the posterior cruciate ligament. When you bend the knee, when you move the shin bone forward, the anterior cruciate ligament it gets tight and move it backwards, the posterior cruciate ligament gets tight and pre uh, prevents that motion. So that's a brief look of the anatomy of the knee. Now what I'd like you to do while you're sitting now is put your hand on the one of your kneecaps. And I'd like you to straighten your leg and bend it. And I want you to feel and see if you feel a grinding under your kneecap when you bend and straighten your knee. Of you women, how many women feel that crepitation underneath the knee? Raise, raise your hands up. That's quite a few. It might make you feel better to know that 98% of women with normal knees feel that grinding under the kneecap. So that is a normal finding in women. How many men feel that grinding under the knees? That's a bit fewer. Well, that's also good because it's, it's normal in only about half of normal men to feel that grinding under your kneecap. So as long as that's not painful, we don't worry a bit about it. The next concept I want to talk about is swelling. And I want to talk about swelling inside the knee versus swelling outside the knee. Swelling inside the knee has a special name. It's called an effusion. And the reason why it has a special name is that it's a very important clinical sign. So one of the things that I want you to try and think about from my diagrams is how to tell whether the swelling is inside or outside the knee. In the picture in the left, you can see my my balloon being the swelling inside the knee. 
So if you were to touch your kneecap, you would feel your kneecap just fine. But when you push your kneecap down, you can get the sensation that you're actually pushing it down and that water balloon or that fluid in the knee can give a little bit <clears throat> and can actually push that kneecap up and down if you have fluid inside the knee. If the swelling is outside the knee, then instead of pushing down and feeling your kneecap as you do normally, you push down and you feel the swelling and it's soft on top of the kneecap. So that's swelling outside the knee. And swelling outside the knee is, is not nearly so worrisome as swelling inside the knee. One of these knees has swelling inside of it. One of them doesn't. Which one do you think has swelling inside the knee? Is it the one on the right or the one on the left? The one on the left. So I heard a few people say that. It's the one on the left. So if you look at your knees when they're straight out in front of you, and you look at the nice medial dimple, Remember, the medial side is the side closest to the other knee. You see this nice dimple here? Now, usually, both of your knees don't hurt. So you can look at their normal knee and compare it to the knee that's hurting you. And the dimples should be the same. On this, on this case, on the left side, that dimple's not the same. It's gone away. So there's fluid inside of the knee. So now we're going to talk about a couple of algorithms, kind of how to think about whether or not you want to stand up or not in, in the case of me snowboarding, but kind of give you a, an idea of what might be the problems. So when we talk about an injury, there's all different kinds of things that are important. Firstly, the mechanism of injury. It's a big difference whether, or not, whether you hurt yourself when you're bending over or whether you hurt yourself in a car accident because the amount of force is, is a lot different. The other things that help to decide and figure out what the matter is is kind of what position was the knee in, what direction did the body go, and what direction did the knee go. So those are all helpful bits of information. So firstly, if you happen to be lying there like I was after a, a big snowboard wreck, first thing I did was I looked down to see whether or not my leg was still lined up straight. And fortunately it was. Because if something is obviously not lined up, then you've got a serious problem. You've got a dislocation or a, or a displaced fracture, and that's going to need some emergent medical attention from the emergency room. So if things are lined up straight, the next thing I did would see if I could feel my toes and wiggle them in the boots. If you can't feel your toes or wiggle them, then we think about a nerve or a blood vessel injury. Those are both serious problems and you ought not waste time in getting to the emergency room. 
Same thing with a deep cut. If you have a deep cut on your knee, I mean, you need to get some stitches and you need to go to the emergency room and get that taken care of. If you don't have any of those things, then if you feel up to it, you may try to stand up. If you can't bear weight on your leg, then there's a good chance that you might have a fracture. And this is an x-ray of one of my patients that uh, had a fracture. And you can see this is a broken bone right up through here. If you can't bear weight on your leg, that's another good reason to head in for help. So if you can bear weight on your leg, the next thing is, can you lift your leg up? And this is an example of a straight leg raise. So you can see that the leg is straight and it's lifted off the ground by about a foot. If you can't lift up your leg, then we worry about one of those big tendons or the kneecap that I showed you earlier, the quadriceps tendon, the patella, and the patellar tendon. That's the big connection that hooks your quadricep muscles down to your shin bone, and that's what helps you lift your leg up. So if you can't lift your leg up, then that's also something that has a little less urgency but should be treated pretty quickly. So I see people doing that. Hopefully everybody has made it this far. So if you can lift your leg, sort of the next thing is how much swelling is in your knee in the first hour? There's a few things that really make the knee swell up fast. And those things are a small fracture or an anterior cruciate ligament tear or ACL tear. And if you can remember back to that picture I showed you of the anterior cruciate ligament arthroscopically, this is another arthroscopic picture, and this is what's left of that ligament. It's supposed to be running right up here. This is an anterior cruciate ligament tear. If you can't straighten your knee out all the way, even though you have power to do it, then there's a couple of things that can be also keeping it from going straight. One of the things is a torn meniscus that's torn and stuck in the joint. And the picture I'm showing you on the screen now is an example of a torn meniscus. You can see my metal probe has that piece of meniscus, and it's right in between the shin bone and the thigh bone. This is the torn piece of meniscus. This is the thigh bone. This is the shin bone down here. This piece was stuck in there so the knee wouldn't go all the way straight. Now, sometimes it won't go straight cause, just because of a, uh, an injury and your hamstring sometimes will go into spasm. Both of those things are, uh, they warrant having your knee checked out fairly urgently. The next question down the pike is, well, if you can stand on your knee, you can straighten it, it gets all the way straight, you can lift it up. What about swelling, catching, or giving way? And what I mean by giving way is that you feel like when you're walking that the knee's going to give out on you. 
Now, it doesn't necessarily give out all the way. Sometimes you can catch yourself. But that's what I'm talking about. If that's the case, then that's one of the symptoms and signs of an ACL tear. Could also be a meniscus tear, and that's, I've got another picture of a meniscus tear up on the right there. And then a tear of the articular surface cartilage. That's the tear in the center to the left. Both of those problems are not emergencies, but you ought to go see your doctor. And those can be taken care of uh, surgically. What if you made it all the way through and none of those things apply to you? Well, that's a very good thing. But your knee still hurts. What do you do? Well, you treat it with rice. And that's not the, the little white or brown flakes. It's rest, ice, compression, and elevation. The picture's a good example of that. Since swelling flows downhill, you want to raise that leg up. You want something like an ace bandage on it to compress it, keep the swelling down. And a big bag of ice on there. You want to ice that knee down pretty thoroughly. You can ice it down for 20 or 30 minutes. Make sure that you have something in between the skin and the ice so you, your skin doesn't get frostbite. And take it easy. All those things will help get rid of the swelling and make your knee feel better. So now we're sort of shifting gears. Now, what if you didn't have an injury? Well, there's a couple of things that are still things that you ought to see a doctor pretty quickly about. If you have a pretty rapid onset of pain and swelling, and that's the effusion kind of swelling, the swelling inside the joint, the, the knee feels warm and it may look red, there's, there's two things that, that that may be. Number one is infection, the second is gout. And I put infection first because it's a more serious problem, but gout is a lot more prevalent. Both those are pretty urgent problems that need to be solved pretty quick. What about if your back and your hip also hurt? Your body's not always very smart about figuring out where exactly the pain's coming from. So sometimes you can have referred pain from another area either from a pinched nerve in your back and can feel like it's in your knee. You can also have hip problem that also feels like it's in your knee. So if a couple of other places are hurting as well, that's another good reason to, to see your doctor. Now what about pain that's pretty well localized? You can point where it is with a finger and it's worse when you're exercising and it proves with, with rest. That's most likely an overuse problem, which is generally either a tendonitis, an inflammation in the tendons, or a bursitis, some inflammation in that bursa. And if you happen to be a runner, 
there's two really common problems that account for about 80% of the knee pain in runners. And the first one is training errors. That's just doing too much too soon. You can really only improve, increase your cumulative weekly mileage. That's adding up all your miles for the whole week. You can only bump that up safely about two miles per week. The second problem is a shoe problem. And having either the wrong shoes, just because your friends are wearing them and they like them, doesn't mean that it's the right shoe for you. Or your shoe is worn out. And a, a, a running shoe only lasts three to 500 miles. So even though the sole looks good and the upper looks good, the most important part of the shoe that you really can't see the wear in is the, the foam shock absorption and you don't see that at all. Even though the, the tread looks good and the uppers look good, the shoe is worn out. Well, if, these, if this sounds like your problem, then, then you also need to, to treat yourself with rice. A couple other things that might help. Don't forget to warm up. And by warm up, we're talking about trying to get your heart rate up prior to the main part of your exercise. Cool down is the same sort of thing, except trying to get your heart rate back down and still it's kind of walking at the end of your run kind of thing. Don't forget to stretch out before you go out and run. And sometimes the problem has to do with strength and, and strength and balances, uh, particularly around, uh, around the hip. One of the things that runners get is that bursitis on the lateral side of the knee. That's often due to some weak hip muscles. So strengthening those hip muscles can help take care of that bursitis of the knee and modifying your activities. If it starts to hurt when you've been running at about the sixth or seventh mile, then you may want to run five. So modify your activities so that it doesn't bother you so much. The next sort of scenario is the slow onset of sort of an intermittent achy kind of pain that often gets sharper with activity but may also be present at rest. And it can be a pretty severe ache at rest and has intermittent swelling. And that's the effusion kind of swelling, the swelling inside the knee joint. And I'm talking about arthritis. And on the right is a picture or an x-ray of a normal looking knee. And on the left, you can see arthritis. And what you notice is that the space in between the bones is not the same. So that gliding surface is worn down. There's not spaces in between. And on the inner surface, you can even see bone spurs, where the bone's trying to increase the size of the joint. There's a lot of different treatments for arthritis. And many of these things don't require you seeing a doctor. You can do a lot of these things on your own. Number one, you may have heard about glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate. Those are nutraceuticals or nutritional supplements that have been marketed pretty heavily. They're in every grocery store and drugstore now. 
There's a little bit of science to say that they might be effective. We will have the big FDA study not for another two or three years. There's enough folks that say that it seems to help them that I think it's worth a try. As long as you're not diabetic, because it does have sugar in it, then it's a pretty safe thing. Also, losing weight. It's not an easy thing to do, but since your knee sees about five times your body weight across it when you get up out of that chair, if you lose one pound, heck, that's five pounds off the knee. So it's effective. Another thing that's helpful is stretching the heel cords and the hamstrings. And the pictures to, the, to your right kind of show how to do that. You can stand against a wall, put one leg in front of the other, and then you can stretch. You feel that stretch right in the back of your calf. It's stretching your calf muscles. You can stretch your hamstrings by touching your toes. Strengthening the muscles around the knee will also decrease the pressure that the knee sees. So having strong muscles across the knee, the thigh and the calf muscles, that will decrease the pressure on the knee and help the symptoms. You may also consider moving the way you do your cardio exercise. Perhaps instead of doing a higher impact thing like running, you may consider a low impact activity. Swimming, biking, rowing. There's a lot of good things to do. You can find one that, uh, that, that you like. And the last thing on the list, and I think probably the last thing to uh, consider in, in this group is some over-the-counter anti-inflammatories. Those are the ibuprofen uh, or Aleve, those kinds of things. Common sense. It's easy to talk about, but it's one of those things that 300 million years of vertebrate evolution has sort of designed us to have an idea of whether or not we're really hurt badly or not. Most of the minor things, they're going to get better pretty quickly. You ought to see a significant improvement in the first week or so. And since most of the soft tissues heal up in about six weeks, most of your problems should get better by then. You need to listen to your body, and if things are painful to you, that, that should be a signal. But the, the main thing that you know, many of us do is try to override our instincts when we sort of have an idea something's not good for us, but we want to do it so badly we figure that, well, it can't be too bad. So now I'm going to entertain any questions. And uh, after we finish kind of a brief question and answer, then I will ask for some volunteers to come forward and see if anybody wants to share their, their knee troubles with the group. So 
Are there questions? Will any of the tears repair themselves? Some of the ligament tears can. So we talked about some medial collateral ligament. Remember, that's the one on the inside closest to your other knee. If that gets torn, more than likely that's going to heal up himself. A tear in the middle of the knee, like an ACL tear, that's unlikely to heal up for itself. The posterior cruciate ligament, that, if, it's, if that's the only thing torn, that may heal up on its own. The lateral collateral ligament probably won't heal up on its own. So each ligament is a little bit different. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Could you go into a little bit more depth on what is gout and what is arthritis, how these okay. things happen and what can be done to treat them? Sure. Arthritis is a disease of the cartilage. And so it's the gliding surface. And the gliding surface cartilage, we don't know why, but it's either from trauma it's either that you picked your parents poorly. And because of those things, your articular cartilage is not normal, and it does not bear the load as it should. It's supposed to cushion the ends of the bones. And when you get arthritis, that cushioning doesn't work properly. Sometimes the surface wears all the way away to where the, there's no cartilage left and it's just the bone on the bone. Other times, the cartilage just doesn't work and the bone sees too much pressure. The bone doesn't like it. And that, that pain comes from the nerve endings in your bone. Gout is a disease of the metabolism. It's a metabolic disease. And it has to do with the breakdown of proteins. And some folks' bodies just can't metabolize the proteins properly. And so they build up. And these particular proteins build up in joints and other places, and they crystallize. And the crystals from gout are what causes the pain. They produce a big inflammatory response. And your body tries to engulf those crystals and absorb them. But in the process, it creates a, big, a lot of inflammation. And that's very painful. So you may have heard about somebody having a gouty attack. And you often get it in your big toe. Those gouty attacks are the crystals in your body will finally wall them off and sort of get that inflammation sort of separated from the rest of your body. The treatment for gout is, is generally medical. There's medicines to, that you can take that are prescribed by your doctor. Yes? Uh, would massage at all help uh, in regular knee pains? And if yes, uh, are there any special things to keep in mind while doing it? Okay. Massage is pretty helpful for the sort of subacute phase after an injury. After you get an injury, the first phase is that you got a lot of inflammation around the injury. And so during that 
phase, the big thing is trying to get rid of the inflammation. And that's why we talk about the rice, the rest, ice, compression, elevation. All those things are for getting rid of the inflammation. When you start getting rid of the inflammation, the, sort of the next thing that can be painful is the muscles. And the muscles don't know how to do but one thing. It's contract or don't contract. And you'd like them at rest to not contract. But oftentimes, they, they don't do that. They go into spasm, and so they contract. And so massage can be helpful in getting those muscles to, to loosen up. Yes, sir. I've had uh, meniscectomy on both knees, multiple on one, and a single meniscectomy on the other, in both cases medial. Um, obviously, every time I get a meniscectomy, a little bit of the meniscus is cut away, and eventually that's probably going to be a real problem. I understand from the last doctor that I had work on me that there is some research into meniscus transplants. Can you tell me where that might stand these days in terms of uh, how far along that research is? Meniscus transplants are operations to take a cadaver meniscus and put them into a knee that's had a meniscus removed. And the folks that may benefit from that are folks that don't have any arthritis in the knee yet, but have pain after having a significant amount of their meniscus removed for about six months or more. Those folks are good candidates for meniscus transplant. Turns out that the intermediate term survival of those things, we're talking about you know, between five and 10 years, is pretty good. It's better for the lateral side, though. It's about 80, 85% successful on the lateral side and about 70% successful on the medial side. So that is one of the operations that, that we do for folks that have had meniscectomies like, like you have and still have symptoms there. But it can't be done once you get arthritis in the knee. Yes, sir. Can most of these problems be diagnosed through um, external examination and non-invasive imaging, or do some of them require arthroscopy? And, and how invasive is arthroscopy? If, is that something you wouldn't do uh, lightly? <laughs> the, the, the first question about diagnosis. The, there's a couple of things about diagnosis. Number one, taking a, a good, careful history and finding out how you hurt yourself, and then a good physical examination, along with some plain x-rays, that's going to get a lot of these injuries. But some soft tissues, like the ligaments, the meniscus, they don't show up on x-rays. So the imaging study to diagnose those is MRI. That's magnetic resonance imaging. Those are good tests to look for ligaments, problems, for meniscus tears, for muscle and tendon problems. Now the gliding surface troubles, some of them can be seen on MRI, but it's difficult to see them all. And so some of the things, 
some of the gliding surface troubles, unless they're pretty large, they may not be diagnosed until arthroscopy. Arthroscopy is looking inside a joint. And there are instruments, oh, about the size of, you know, maybe a little smaller than this pen. Through three or four half an inch incisions, could fill the knee up with fluid and then look around in it with a camera. And that's the, the best test we have to diagnose problems inside the knee. How invasive is it? It is surgery, so you don't want to enter into it lightly. It still has risks, risks of the anesthesia, but it's a pretty safe procedure. We don't have very many problems with it, thankfully, and so most people recover from it pretty quickly. For instance, if you just have a bit of your meniscus out, we think that you ought to get back to about 80% by about six weeks out, which is pretty quick for, for knee surgery. So I think our time is about up for the question and answer session. But I would invite anybody who'd like to share their knee stories with us to come on up to the front. We're going to hear from a couple of folks about their knee problems. And first, we've got Ty. Hi. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Uh, somewhat recent knee injury or uh, pain. Um, I pretty much know what it is. Um, skiing 35 days so far this year, and then play volleyball Sunday night after skiing. So I'm kind of pretty, pretty much familiar with what's causing it. Uh, sharp pain in the patella tendon. Um, obviously, rice would be <laughs> a good thing to follow. My question for you is, um, is it uh, overdevelopment of my quadriceps? Do I need to start building my hamstrings to help balance things out? You mentioned balance. Uh, some other exercises that might help strengthen that a bit to help with things. Balance is good, and, and I think what you're describing is, is a jumper's knee. And jumper's knee is pain in the front of the knee. Happens when you are active, jumping, and then it will stay for a while with rest. And sort of as it builds up, it goes more and more into the rest periods. And so rice is perfectly appropriate. Turns out this is a really great area to ice. And a nice way to ice this is with an ice massage. So you take a coffee cup, fill it about two-thirds of the way up with water, you know, one of those styrofoam ones, and then peel the mm -hmm. cup around. Then you've got a nice insulated ice massage. You can rub it right, right on that knee. Okay. So that really helps. So you ought to do that for about five minutes or so before and after you play volleyball. I think you'll find that really helpful. Okay. You'll want to stretch the quadriceps muscles. Right. So you can pull on your heel, pull on your ankle, you know, pull it right. back behind yourself and, and stretch that. And you're also going to want to try to um, sort of limit your jumping when it's pretty inflamed. Right. But 
this is so common in jumpers that you know basketball players on a high level just think that's part of the game. Mm -hmm. And so you can manage it with you know ice and strengthening, stretching, and generally it'll be manageable. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Linda. Hi, Linda. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Thanks. Question for you. I'm wondering if I should see a doctor or not. I've got some pain in my knee right in here. Okay. Um, sometimes it bothers me, sometimes it doesn't. And it happened back in September. I was at the gym um, working out my hamstrings, and I felt a little pop. So I gave it like a month's rest and saw a physician who said, take it easy. <laughs> um, and so I did, and it's still not better. Um, I didn't start any activities probably until December, so it, you know, I had plenty of time to heal. And I just don't know if I should you know, go and see a doctor again. Okay, so put your finger on where it's hurting you. Um, usually right in here. Okay. Sometimes well, it's just a general pain. Okay. Through your pants, it's hard to tell exactly where that yeah. is, but it sure seems like it's in the area of the joint line. So that's the space in between the bones. Mm -hmm. And as we saw just a few minutes ago, that's where the meniscus is. Are you having some swelling inside the knee? Um, not that I can really tell. So that's going to be an important thing for you to do. You're going to need to look at those dimples on the medial side of your knee, and you're going to need to look and see when it's hurting you whether or not those dimples are the same size. Okay. If that dimple starts to go away, you've got fluid in the knee, and that's something that is more than likely going to be a, either a meniscus tear or an injury to that gliding surface that may need to have some arthroscopic intervention. So okay. it's worth looking into some more, I think. So you think I may want to consider seeing a doctor or no? One other thing I, I didn't tell I, you. I think so. Okay. The other thing I didn't Are you going to change my mind now? <laughs> no, no, else? no. Um, sometimes it gives out. Not real often, uh -huh. but it's happened a handful of times. That's even better evidence that you have a meniscus tear, okay. and uh, I think something's going to need to be done. All right, I'll do it. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet You're you. You're welcome. Hi, uh, my name is Amul. Nice to meet you. Same here. Thanks. Um, so this is a sports-related uh, injury. I injured my knee playing uh, Ultimate uh, last March, and uh, it was diagnosed as a kneecap dislocation. Okay. Um, so, um, and I was, I, I wore a knee brace for about two months, and after that I was recommended to, you, do, to do yoga for uh, de-stressing my hip muscle. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been like nine, ten months now, more than that, about a year. And uh, so, I can feel the progress, but uh, I'm just curious to know when would I reach the state where it would be the same as it was before the injury. I, can, I cannot really um, raise my right leg as much as I can my left leg. Uh, I can feel the pain after a game of tennis or a long jog. It's not, it's not a regular pain, but I, after I do something serious, I can feel the pain. Okay. So, so you're just having pain? Your, your kneecap yeah. is not coming out of place anymore? No. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you done a, a lot of rehabilitation? Have you continued to do muscle exercises? 
Uh, so I was recommended to do uh, three yoga exercises. Uh, for, you, for, yeah, for, I've been, I've been doing that regularly. Doing yeah. yeah, every day. Okay, because that's very important. Okay. So when you actually dislocate your kneecap, it goes off to the side. What you need is to have your muscles control that kneecap going up and down in the groove. Okay? Turns out that the muscle, the last one to come back is the one on the inside. And that's the one that is most important to keep that kneecap pulled on over. Right? Because the kneecap most always dislocates to the outside. So the quadriceps muscle attaches to the, the kneecap and it's sort of like a chariot. It's like one of those Roman chariots with the four horses on it. So you can imagine that if one of those horses is a slacker, then the chariot's going to start steering over to the other side, right? It's the same way with that kneecap. If the muscle on the inside is not strong, then that kneecap is going to tend to want to go out that other way. And so it's really important to strengthen that inner part of the thigh muscle, and that will eventually, generally, take care of the problem. But it takes a while, as you've seen. Is your knee swelling up? Oh, no. It, it, it swelled the date of the injury, oh, but sure, not, yeah. not, not after that. But not that. lately? No. Okay. Well, as long as his knee's not swelling, it's not coming out of place, then I think you ought to keep working on your exercises and keep increasing your activity as your muscles allow. Even if there is a pain after that? A little bit of pain, okay. I think, is, is tolerable. You're going to have a little bit of pain until you get all the muscles back, right? Because until that knee's going, kneecap's going up and down in the groove properly, it's going to be a little uncomfortable for you. And being a little bit more active is going to help that, that muscle come back a little faster. Okay. All right? Great. Thank you. You're welcome. I have a really quick question. Uh -huh. um, I'm going to give you some background really fast first. I got hit by a car when I was riding my bicycle at a very high speed. And he hit me from the side, so tore my ACL, my meniscus, and my MCL. And then I ended up having Baker cysts and breakage and everything. I've done lots of physical therapy, have had the surgery. I had Achilles tendon put in for the ACL. But I had a third degree MCL tear. Okay. And he went in, but he didn't replace it. So my idea, because they had you had there was a question regarding MCLs healing. Uh huh. For third degrees, do they heal? Right. Was that a reason, or later on, do I have to have someone go back in and reconnect the MCL? Because ACL, I guess, took really well. The meniscus is fine. They did the chondromalacia, scratch that off. I do definitely have um, crepitus, but I'm still having problems, and I am doing basically physical therapy on my own, exercising on my own. I was able to run last weekend for the first time in four years, which is really good. But the MCL questions that I... Yeah, the, the, the MCL, as I talked about, it mostly heals. But I, I, I mentioned the fact that if other ligaments are torn, then sometimes it doesn't heal well. So if there's more than one ligament torn, then there's, it's more likely that the MCL won't heal. Now, even still, mostly it will, will heal. An MCL with an ACL, those are the only two ligaments. Usually that MCL will heal. Now, if it doesn't heal, 
there's a couple of different things that can be done. Number one, it can sometimes be repaired itself. Or if the laxity is not too much, then we can just make it scar a little bit and tighten down. The MCL can also be reconstructed. So we can take another tendon and make you a new MCL too. And sometimes we need to do that as well. So, do I need, that, do I need another MRI to find that out? Or is it more the what, Well, what, what's, what problem are you having? Is your knee wobbly? Is it giving out on you? Actually, not anymore, no. Okay. It's more just pain and... Because the MCL keeps that knee from going more knock knee. So keeps from, you away from doing that, right? So if you can do this and it's not opening up on you, then more than likely, more than likely that MCL is working okay. So it may have healed enough that you, that's not your problem. So the bigger the knee injury, the longer it takes to get your muscle strength back. And turns out that even, you know, the, an isolated ACL tear, just an ACL, it takes a long time before those muscles get back, longer than a year for those muscles to come back. So it's going to take you a long time and a lot of hard work to get that muscle strength back. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Are there other questions? Yes, sir. I have an uh, ACL that's torn but still partially there and a mm -hmm. meniscus tear that uh, I know the ACL is probably dates back to when I was roughly like 13 years old playing football. I've been skiing, snowboarding, hiking, biking, everything on it for years. Never knew it even existed until last ski season uh, due to other injuries I found out about it. Um, I'm wary about going through surgery because I've been doing everything else just fine. I only even went to a knee brace um, to prevent a full blowout last season um, at that. So I know there's a lot of rehab time and then essentially time off. And I'm wary of, you know, how much am I going to lose now versus later for having surgery? Um, or if not having surgery, how much is it going to be, you know, how much detriment am I doing in the long term? Does your knee give out? For the most part, no. What do you mean for the most part? Uh, if I take a bad jump and land it wrong, it'll blow out, completely fold sideways. So but that's it, when does, I went to a it does give out sometimes? A little bit, yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of like I try being, not to do those being things. Being a little I do bit it. pregnant, you know? I mean, you either are or you're not. It, it either gives out or it doesn't. And sort of that's the thing. If it gives out, even occasionally, every time it gives out, you do more damage. And so if the knee's not given out, you don't need an ACL. If your knee is given out, you need to get that fixed. Mm -hmm. A brace is not going to keep you from blowing your knee out. Yeah. Well, I've been told even the scar tissue there alone is restricting it for the most part. But yes, it is probably. Well, if it's still given out, then you need to have something done. Okay. The trouble is you're going to damage other things more. Mm -hmm. so the gliding better. surface, the meniscus, and right now, we don't have a good solution for that gliding surface problem. Mm -hmm. So if you injure that, I mean, the best thing we can do is take out the damaged part. But we don't really have really good solutions yet for you know, making it heal. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we may. But right now, but that's, that's a big problem. And so I think you need to get that thing fixed. Thank you all for your attention. and. If you'd like some more information, please visit us on our website or call us at our office. Thanks. Mm -hmm.
Thank you.